The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How? How are you now? Should I stop asking that? I feel like maybe I should consider, uh, you know, removing that from the intro to this podcast, uh, especially if this season is going to continue to go the way that it's going. Uh, your Montreal Canadiens lose to the Carolina Hurricanes at home, uh, improving to zero and five on the season. I say improving because some people are starting to talk about maybe. You know, it's time to tank and go for that first overall pick and maybe get Shane Wright as a member of the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, it is an improvement if you're in that camp and you're uh, a fan of the idea of tanking. (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode five for this season of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and um, I got to tell you, I am... I I might not sound as angry as as I was last episode, but I am... I'm just beyond fed up with this team at this point i'm fed up I'm five games into the season and i'm fed up you know the hurricanes come into town it is the return of Jesperi caught kenyemi of course much talked about signed an offer sheet habs didn't match goes over to the carolina hurricanes and uh they come into town and you know you think this might be the game that the habs want to get up for but anyways let's get into it what did we see start of the game first period uh honestly not too bad first period uh usually some of their starts have been really brutal uh it didn't look that bad it was a bit of a better start they were pushing a little bit uh we get into a penalty fest we get into an absolute penalty fest during the first period uh one penalty to montreal two to carolina so the habs get a four on three as we know when there are three guys on the ice for the other team the habs can do one thing and one thing only and that's point shots for some goddamn reason uh so that's what they tried to do and yeah that very did not work whatsoever uh, they didn't score. But, anyways, penalty ends. And then another penalty ends. And now it's a 5-on-4 for the Montreal Canadiens. And guess what? One of the point shots happens to get tipped by Brennan Gallagher in front. And it goes in. Habs are up one nothing. But wait a minute. Wait a goddamn minute. You can't have any nice things in Montreal. Absolutely not. Carolina Hurricanes challenge for goaltender interference. And, of course, it gets called back on the weakest goaltender interference call I've ever seen in my entire life. Brendan Gallagher barely touched him. I mean, there was there was a there was some contact, but if Anderson had a glass of water balanced on his head, that contact wouldn't have even caused a drop of the water to spill out of that glass. Like you got to be kidding me with that call. They have allowed many 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 goals with more contact. Um, but you know, I I digress. Habs Back to 0-0, of course. Can't have any nice things in Montreal. And then what happens? Well, period ends, and it's actually 0-0. So 0-0 at the end of one, you got to call that pretty much a victory for these Canadians at this point in this season. But, of course, it doesn't last very long. 
Hurricanes start the second period on the tail end of a power play that they got at the beginning of the first period with about five seconds left in the penalty. Uh, beautiful cross-ice pass to Sebastian Ajo. He's got a wide-open net to shoot at, and Jake Allen can't get there. It's one nothing for the Hurricanes. Not too long after that, Andre Sveshnikov gets left uh, completely alone in the face-off circle, and he rips one. Uh, absolutely beautiful shot, by the way. Beautiful shot. Uh, I'm not really going to fault Jake Allen for that one, but it's 2 nothing for the Carolina Hurricanes. And now we're, we're starting to feel like this is pretty much going uh, the way that some of these other games have gone this year. Maybe this is going to turn into a rout. But the Habs get one back. The Habs get a late power play in the second period. Uh, it looks like crap, honestly, for the first well, most of the power play. But then Nick Suzuki finds Tyler Toffoli out in front. Finally, they get a chance not involving a point shot on their power play. And guess what? Down low in the slot, Tyler Toffoli bangs it in 2-1. to one. We're feeling like, you know, end of the second period, 2-1. to one. Habs are back in this thing. Maybe they can get a win here. Maybe they can at least force this thing into overtime and get their first point of the season. No dice. As if going 0-5 isn't insulting enough. Yes, Barry Kakanyemi making his return to the Bell Center. He's triumphant. Gets a tip on a point shot. 3-1 to one Hurricanes. They would add uh, an empty netter from Sebastian Ajo as well to make it 4-1. to one. And the Montreal Canadiens remain winless, pointless, hapless through five games of this young season. Um, I, I talked about it on the last episode, right? It was uh, actually the most successful episode so far this season. So apparently, that's what I'm supposed to do is talk about firing people. <laughs> um, but let's let's go back to that for a minute. I had opined quite strongly that you know the Montreal Canadiens should fire Marc Bergevin. I stand by that opinion. The number one uh, argument against what I said was, well, what's it going to change for this season? And I get that. You're probably right. It probably doesn't change much for this season, but that's not a reason not to do it. It's not a reason not to do it. It doesn't change anything for this season. Again, the guy apparently has a contract extension sitting in front of him that he's, you know, mulling over whether or not he's going to sign it. So let's make that decision easy on him. I don't want him managing a rebuild anyways, if that's what this team has to do. I don't want him in control of that. Personally, as a fan, I think most fans probably don't want him in control of that. So uh, I don't accept that argument. But realistically... What I think at this point is super clear, and I mentioned this last episode, is that Luke Richardson has to go. The defensive zone coverage and the, the breakouts from the defensemen are just maddeningly stupid. I mean, they are trying passes from the corner out into the middle of their own ice and getting intercepted like right in front of them. And one of them led to a two-on-O that uh, it got slid across. I forget who it was, but slid across to Kakanyemi, and he almost scored. Jake Allen had to make a big save. So, like, there's, I, th- this is something that when you're nine years old as a defenseman, your coaches drill it into your head. Don't try that pass. If you're in your corner, you absolutely don't throw it in towards the middle. You either need to go around or you need to go up the boards. The only time you go into the middle is if there's no other colored sweaters there. I don't know what he's instructing them to do because, again, these are things that you are taught when you're nine years old. Don't do that. And he's apparently instructing professionals to do it. Uh, Or they're doing it on their own, in which case they're they're not respecting your instructions anyway. So obviously you don't have command of of your team. So you got to go. But I was talking about it in the the EOTP chat, and I'm like, they got to fire somebody after this. This team looks completely hapless. They can't break out of their own zone. They can't sustain any kind of forecheck for any, any longer than like 10 seconds. 
and somebody's got to get fired. And and my buddy Jared Book pointed out to me, he's like, everybody's got three-year contracts. They're not firing anybody. And he's right. They all have three-year contracts. So they're probably not going to fire any of these guys. So somehow, somehow, this entire coaching staff and the general manager who put them in their positions are just going to get to skate through this season with their jobs intact despite what we're seeing on the ice which is a complete failure in almost every aspect of the game. The power play stinks. It stinks. Yes, they scored. Technically, they scored twice, right? And I, I, I count the first goal as, as a goal realistically because, you know, the refs screwed them out of that one. That was a bullshit goaltender interference call. But the, the power play stinks. 99% of what they're trying to do in the power play is point shots. It's not working. The one time that they finally went down low and Nick Suzuki throws it across to Tyler DeFoley, they score. So you, you know they know how to do it, but the coaching staff is obviously instructing them otherwise, right? Because we see on the ice that they're capable of doing that. They are capable of getting to the net front. They're capable of getting to the slot, but they refuse outright to even try that for the rest of the game. That tells me it's clearly on the coaches, Right? Alex Burroughs, what are you doing? Dominique Ducharme, what are you doing? What is anybody doing to actually turn this thing around? I'm seeing the same thing every goddamn game. When you get power plays, you're doing the stupid point shots. You, Their breakout strategy, again, I feel like a broken record saying this over and over again. Their breakout strategy is basically stretch passes or bang it off the boards or flip it up in the air uh, or bang it off the glass, right? It doesn't work. Like, you have fast forwards, but they're not that fast. You could have nothing but Connor McDavid's in your forward group. And yeah, you'd probably score a lot more goals than the Montreal Canadiens are scoring right now. But they're not always going to be able to chase those things down and create any kind of offense out of it. When they don't bang it off the boards or flip it up in the air or try a stretch pass, what happens is they end up like looking at each other and doing this hot potato thing with the puck. And it's just too easy for opposing four checkers to take it from them because they come in with numbers. And the Habs forwards are already out of the zone. They're flying. Because they're waiting for that flip. Or they're waiting for that stretch pass. Or they're waiting for that bang off the glass. So it's, it's a comedy of errors. And, and somebody has to get fired. And the, like, like I said, the coaching staff having a bunch of new contracts in hand. Like I, I guess it can't be any of them, right? Everybody gets to skate. They have to fire somebody. There has to be a message sent just throughout the organization that like somebody is going to wear this. Somebody is out of a job as a result of this. Because it, it can't be accepted. It can't just be accepted that we're going to go 0-5 oh, and, and look this hapless in every goddamn game and just get embarrassed on home ice over and over again. The fans were booing Jesperi Kotkaniemi uh, anytime he got anywhere near the puck. I'm speaking to anybody who goes to Montreal Canadiens games. We should have been booing the Montreal Canadiens. That's who we should have been booing. We need to let Jeff Molson know that we're not satisfied with this team. We need to let him know that he's got to do something about this. He's got to fire somebody. Right. The last thing we need to be doing is booing a guy who signed a six point one million dollar offer sheet. You know, who's turning down six point one million dollars? I understand. Yeah, he was probably getting like what two to three million with the Habs, and that's still a lot of money. But think of it this way: somebody offers you double the salary that you're getting offered somewhere. Are you not telling your current job to fuck right off and taking that immediately? I know I would. This is probably not shocking for people to hear, but like this podcast and my work at Eyes on the Prize is not my primary source of income. I actually work at a bank. If another bank 
came to me and said, hey, we're going to give you double the money that you make right now to do the exact same thing that you currently do. Do you know how fast I would switch? Like, there's no loyalty when it comes to your own income. I understand all the fans booing him because he, he did sign it and he did leave. Um, so I'm not trying to dump on you guys. If you're listening to this and you were at the game and you were booing him, guess what? You paid for those tickets. You deserve to boo whoever you want because you, you're you putting money in the pockets of a guy who doesn't deserve it at this point because he clearly does not care about making sure that the product on the ice is worth the money that you're paying to get into that building. All I'm saying is, you know, we, we were booing the wrong people. We're booing the wrong person on Thursday night. Uh, we were booing a guy who, you know, he took the money and ran and clearly... Let's just look at the product that we're putting on the ice right now. He made the right decision. You, you want to be attached to this team right now? Looking like a, an AHL team at best? I don't even know if they could beat all of the teams in the AHL. They could probably beat some of them. They'd probably have a pretty good season if they just switched leagues and played in the AHL. Can we get relegated like you know European football teams? Can we? Maybe we'll win a Calder Cup. Hmm? Anyways, uh, this episode's getting a little bit long, and I'm just ranting about firing people again. I guess one thing that I wanted to do, because I didn't do it last episode, and I want to do it at the end of this episode, and I'm going to try to do this after every episode, uh, regardless of how bad the game goes, is I want to give at least one silver lining. And the silver lining I want to point out today, uh, Christian Dvorak looked pretty good, honestly. He's starting to create some more things. He hit, uh, I think he hit a couple of posts during the game. Uh, he's showing a little bit of drive. He's, he's one guy that actually gets active in the four check, uh, kind of pushes the pace a little bit. Him and Josh Anderson looked really good. Um, so those two, I'm going to say those are a silver lining. Um, if, if they keep playing like that, like maybe they can help turn this thing around, but they're going to need a lot of help. And that that help is probably going to have to come in the form of somebody getting fired for incompetence, because that's what happens in almost every other job in the world. You get fired for incompetence. Uh, but there I go, you know, once again, going back into my thing about firing people, uh, <laughs> silver lining, Christian Dvorak and Josh Anderson, pretty good game from them in a pretty overall bad game. Uh, I liked their, their effort. I liked their compete level. <laughs> Anyways, thanks everybody for listening. We are running, uh, pretty close to 15 minutes again. So, uh, les employés de soutien. We're basically first-liners at this point, aren't we now? Thanks again. I appreciate everybody listening. We are on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Play, Megaphone. I am on Twitter, at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you again. And, as always, à la prochaine.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.